Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. Today on the show, we are joined by Nabil Zaki, a banking expert and audit committee board member. Nabil has a long and distinguished history with financial institutions in the United States and abroad, where he has held multiple positions, giving him a broad knowledge about their operations. In this episode, we talk about the importance of quantitative and analytical skills and the importance of training that is relevant to the organization's industry. All that and more, starting now. Nabil, it is so good to uh, be able to spend some time talking with you a little bit about you, your background, and some of the things that are of so much importance to internal auditors. Uh, you have such a great background that I would like to definitely, if you uh, will indulge us, just spend a few moments talking about that. But before we start with all of those questions, uh, I'm a big believer in the importance of getting to know the person and how their upbringing helped to shape who they are, who, how they became who they are, and, and that uh, it helps a better understand the person. So where did you grow up and how did that uh, upbringing, that place and that time help to shape who you are, your values and who you became today? Uh, first of all, it's a pleasure and honor to be with you, Dr. Hernan. Uh, uh, to begin with, you pronounced my name very well. My name is <laughs> Nabil Zaki. And uh, um, actually, I grew up uh, uh, basically in the Middle East. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm coming from an Egyptian background. My dad was university professor and he worked with the United Nations for some time, both in Geneva as well as in New York. Mm -hmm. I grew up in uh, a very peculiar school. It's a Lebanese school. It's, uh, uh, it's a missionary school. And uh, uh, basically, uh, they were focusing so much on languages, French and English and Arabic. And after this, I, I, I studied in Egypt. I studied accounting and finance. And I decided after this to do a few years of work in, in, in Cairo. I worked with a, a, a very interesting bank. I graduated in 76. Mm -hmm. Sure, so many people watching me now were not even born at this time. Okay, but I, worked, true. I, I began my career in 76. And I graduated in June 76. I worked in July 76. So it took me a few weeks for a small new venture bank by the name of Egyptian American Bank. And this bank now, uh, it, it at this time, it was actually a joint venture between uh, two banks. Uh, uh, one of the biggest banks in the United States, AIBC, American Express International Banking Corporation, used to have the head office in the World Trade Center. And another big bank in Egypt by the name of Bank of Alex. And the, the, the new JV joint venture went by the name of Egyptian American Bank. You see, year mm -hmm. after year after year, now this bank disappeared, and it has been acquired by Credit Agricole. As, as your career advanced in banking, and, and definitely you, you, you developed this very deep knowledge, uh, I understand that you also work for Chase, and you also work for Merrill Lynch. So you, no, your, your experience really took you places. 
Oh, then you no, I'm talking about the first first. I was 20. You know, mm -hmm. in 1976, I was 20, and I'm talking yeah. about the the first few steps in my career. I don't even mention yes. this in my resume. Okay, but I am <laughs> I'm very proud. I'm very proud to have them. Okay, and I worked in the accounting department. I would regard Dr. Hernan the accounting department like the laboratory of the whole bank. Why? All right. the biggest transactions of the bank are pouring into it. Whether the transactions in wealth management, in trade finance, in corporate banking, in SME, all any or in treasury, in capital markets. And I had a, a voracious appetite, I have to admit, voracious appetite for knowledge. Okay. So uh, 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 I used to, to have the, the manual for American Express Bank, and I'm devouring it, not reading it, devouring it. Uh, 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 basically, I am interested to know about trade finance. I'm interested to know about capital markets. I, I was really in a big dilemma, which is, wh wh where is my liking? Where is my favorite uh, uh, area? But I love the banking at this time. Right. I was 20. At the age of 22, I decided to proceed for my uh, postgraduate studies, and I did it in Maxwell School of Syracuse University, which is a very reputable school uh, in Syracuse University. And uh, th the thing is, lots of people, uh, uh, graduates graduating from that school, have had a huge amount of exposure with the White House particularly economics, and Maxwell School of Syracuse University, it ranks number one, even before Harvard, in, in public administration, not business administration, yes. public. Uh, it's not my domain. My domain is basically finance economics. I studied yes. finance economics. Uh, 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 I, and, um, I worked uh, as a teacher in the same university, and be, uh, surprisingly enough, uh, next week, I'm going for lunch with the Dean of Maxwell School of Syracuse University. He will be, he will happen to be in New York, and that makes me so happy. Uh, after yes. this, I worked for Chase. I worked for Chase okay. Canada. I worked for Chase Europe. I worked for Chase uh, uh, Asia. I actually, I worked for Merrill Lynch, and I assumed senior posts between wealth management, between corporate banking, uh, between uh, 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 treasury, capital markets, okay? As a, as, as a matter, I'm not an operations guy. I'm not a back office person, okay? However, mm -hmm. I am always interested to, to hear them. Uh, after this, uh, after uh, uh, Chase and Merrill Lynch, I decided to open my company in Singapore. When you think about the, the, the different experiences you have had, how did that shape you in terms of character? Because it seems to me that inquisitiveness, uh, curiosity, maybe discipline, and, and, and just being able to, to explore different things was part of what you extracted from that in addition to the technical skills you acquired. See, I, I, I made it like a priority for me to learn from, my, to learn from everybody, to learn from my mm -hmm. uh, peers, to learn from my bosses. And I was lucky enough to have good mentors in my life. As far as I remember, yes. when, I was, when I was working for Chase Manhattan Bank in Canada, 
I had a wonderful guy. I'm not sure whether, where is he? I, I'm, I'm looking for him everywhere. His name is Roy Lingen. And I remember this man very much. He was the head of treasury department in Chase Manhattan Bank. And he was uh, actually, he didn't have uh, 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 to begin with, he, he was a master's degree in physics. And he is the guy who taught me how to think about derivatives, uh, 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 the, the mathematical and quantitative side of derivatives. So this guy was good in math. This guy was good in computers. This guy was good in finance. After he covered, uh, 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 after he covered uh, the, um, the physics background, he proceeded for an MBA in finance. After this, yes. he got his CFA. So the guy yes. is having it all. He covered it all. That's a very important aspect of, of uh, developing young people is, is, number one, mentorship, like you said, and also being able to give them some of these very in, important foundational skills, like you uh, just emphasized, uh, quantitative skills and, and some analytical thinking and uh, understanding of how banks operate. So with that in mind, then, uh, can we pivot to something that is very current, very relevant, and, and that is really capturing everybody's attention to a very large extent, and that is the situation in Ukraine. And we have a lot of sanctions that have been imposed by the United States and, and a lot of other countries, and is really impacting a lot of organizations. So I was wondering from your perspective, uh, how is this being handled in terms of the organizations that are affected by it? How are they able to enforce these sanctions and comply with these requirements? How is that this disrupting the normal business activities of organizations? We have lived in an era where economics is overwhelming politics. Now, mm -hmm. politics is overwhelming economics, and it's mm -hmm. mastering economics. It's winning over economics, politics, okay? And what's happening now is a violation of all the rules we have learned during the last 30 to 40 years, which are basically globalization. Globalization, right. unfortunately, is not functioning, particularly the failure of the world to come up with remedies, supply, and to cure the supply chain problems. We are, this is the third year of COVID-19, and we are still suffering from supply chain problems. So that means right. there is something wrong with globalization. Okay, globalization is not working. Do you think that it's a lack of resiliency then in terms of the supply chain, that it was too rigid and not a flexible mechanism to be able to backfill when there were disruptions to that supply chain? I think the tenets on which it was based were not sound. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, uh, globalization, it means covering lots of people, lots of countries. It doesn't cover only one big place like China and calling it uh, the factory of the world. You know what I mean? And it created, it hurt our employment opportunities. It hurt our uh, supply chain problems that until now, you know, we are suffering from chronic problems with it. 
As we're thinking about then what auditors will be doing uh, and how this will affect, I, I believe I'm hearing a bit in terms of business continuity, which sometimes people associate with IT, but definitely in terms of operations and continuing activities as they should be going. So we have some business continuity disruption there, and we also have supply chain implications. So from a risk management perspective, is, is this something then that organizations, I will imagine, are really furiously looking at? to make sure they can update their risk management dynamics, right? The, the assessment that they did and how they're going to manage those risks. No doubt about it, no doubt about it. The role of an auditor nowadays, it's not crunching numbers, okay? And making sure that the accounting systems are in place. No, it goes beyond that. He has to look at mm -hmm. the perspectives, at new perspectives, at the risk management, okay? One big, one big portion of the auditor's uh, uh, function now is to look ahead, is to move forward. Right. So there is an economic role inside the, the, inside the job of an auditor now. Either I'm talking, I'm covering both the functions of an internal auditor and the functions of an external auditor. So that means, having said that, uh, one of the most important things the ability of an auditor to move forward and to predict what will what and not only taking historical data and the balance sheets for the last five years of what's happening and the the percentage of change in total assets the percentage of change in my pnl okay no gone are these days one big function included in the job of an internal auditor now his ability to keep abreast with the latest developments in politics, in economics, in rules, in regulations, mm -hmm. in, uh, um, uh, in forensic accounting, in, uh, and in money laundering tactics, in risk management perspectives, particularly the, the variables now are many. You have so many items now that can really affect the PNL that have never existed, existed like 20 years ago or 10 years ago, including health. We are paying a lot on masks uh, and so on. There are departments now within each and every bank about COVID-19. So we have a right. big spending item, okay, to care about. Number two, which is very important, environmental issues. Environmental, you see John Kerry, uh, what is he saying and uh, uh, the declaration he made that uh, we are we are uh, we are worried about the refugees from the Ukraine war. The refugees that we will have from the climate change are ten times as much. So one of the most important things is the environmental change. Uh, uh, number three, which is very important, the still we are having a lot of spending on money laundering and uh, terrorist financing and putting our systems. Uh, combating that, okay. So we, between health, between uh, uh, environmental issues, between and right. one of the most important things, which is number four, that has to be considered and taken seriously by an auditor, digitalization. Okay, uh, 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 gone other days. I'm I'm doing financial analysis about the balance sheet manually. Okay, uh, artificial intelligence is getting in. Uh, all, right. all, uh, all the big operations. You are, you are doing statistical analysis, all the tests and the hypothesis testing, in a few seconds, 
your ability to understand that and to connect it with real life and to connect it with what you are really doing when you are doing an auditing assignment is so essential. Right. Uh, quick question, uh, and, and just uh, just to touch back on one thing, uh, or a couple of things rather, that, that I am thinking about when it comes to the financial institutions and their clients and how auditors can look at it from the risk perspective, right? And thinking about trade finance uh, and, and capital flows. You just spoke about money laundering and the concerns around that. And of course, the sanctions in many ways are going to touch on, on some of those capital flows. Uh, so organizations in, and their ability to protect themselves and be able to still pay for what they need. So we spoke previously about supply chain. How about the capital flows and, and trade finance? What are some of the things that auditors should know about and perhaps help their organizations address given uh, the dynamics now with, uh, with the sanctions? The dynamics are very uh, uh, numerous here. Number one, uh, uh, training is essential here for the auditor because the auditors usually, even when they are getting high degrees in auditing, you don't cover so much on trade finance and the techniques of anti-money laundering and the new techniques of uh, cryptocurrencies, which is very important right. coming. Mind you, one of the most important things, lots of reputable hedge funds now, they are pushing into the area of cryptocurrencies. At all of exactly. a sudden, maybe in two or three years, cryptocurrencies will become effect of life will become effect of life and it would be an asset type that you hate, you love it, you hate it, you have to recognize it. Okay, so one of the most important things is to get the right training, the right training in trade finance, uh, the use of money laundering in trade finance. How can I, how can my, the ability of lots of people, one, 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 one of the weapons that uh, Biden administration and particularly the government in the UK is using now is to impose uh, uh, sanctions on oligarchs. Oligarchs in, in uh, those people uh, are making tons of money, tons of money by blanchiment uh, d'argent uh, 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 or by money laundering. Uh, I'm sorry for the word in French. Okay, uh, okay. Uh, by, by money laundering. Okay, so basically, I have to know, one of the most important things that came out uh, last week that the UK is saying, that we have about 9,000 to 9,500 real estate that we are skeptical that they are revolving around money laundering. This is a report that's condemning the UK authorities. How come you are knowing this now? Part of this also touches on the problems around shell companies and, and how they're using layering techniques to be able to hide the rightful owners of properties and be able to hide those assets behind those uh, made-up companies, right? those shell companies. Is that, is that a, a current issue as well to keep in mind here? It's not a current issue. It's part of the whole system. We have been knowing right. about shell companies since a long time. Okay, the, yes. the problem is, do you have, you see, do I know how to do it? Do I have the right background to do it or not? This is very essential. Okay, sometimes I would love to do, I would, oh, we are talking about it, but how can, how can I combat KYC or know your customer in banking is a lovely simplified expression, but KYC procedures 
to put it and to put it in the right context, it takes so much time and it takes so much uh, discipline. Nabil, it has been so helpful to hear from you and your deep perspective on these topics that are very current and, and quite troublesome in many respects because of how it has impacted organizations, both financial institutions and otherwise. And your uh, thoughts in terms of the importance of training and looking at some of these emerging technologies and techniques, and some of them not so new. Some of them have been old, but the manifestation and how they're being used now are so problematic. So thank you very much, and I really appreciate you taking yes, the time to help us better understand this. Thank you for listening to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast, and a big thank you to our guest, Nabil Zaki. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand. Subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv.